0: Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. We started a new sermon series last week called Jesus Is... And what we're doing is we are looking at uh, not only who he is, but in consideration of who he is, what we can be expecting him to do uh, in and through our lives as a result of that. Uh, And as a four-square church, we're a part of a denomination uh, that uh, emphasizes um, four main ideas about who Jesus is and and takes all of the many things that are aspects of his ministry and puts them into four buckets that we're able to, to look at. And so we're going to be looking at Jesus is Savior, Jesus is Baptizer in the Holy Spirit, Jesus is Healer, and Jesus is soon and coming King. And those of you who have been through square one uh, through the years, you guys would already be familiar with some of these things Uh, oftentimes it's a a, a great place. And just uh, as a side note, we've had over 300 people graduate through square one since we started that class in 2016. So just in case you're wondering, like, is it worth my time, and has anybody done this? Like, you're already late. Like, you're behind, and we're all moving forward. I want to encourage you to be jumping into our equipping process. Be growing, be purposely learning, and pursuing the things of God. Uh, But we have uh, started last week looking at Jesus is... Savior, But we're spending a couple weeks on this uh, because we're talking about the idea that Jesus is our Savior and he has saved us from some very specific things. And last week we looked at that, that we were saved from sin and death, that we were saved from bondage and brokenness, that we are saved from being separate or far off or unreconciled to God, and that we are saved from uh, really the, the disease of our body, mind, soul, and spirit. Uh, but this week, we're going to be talking about what we are saved to, because uh, oftentimes we frame out salvation as, okay, I am not in this place anymore, but we forget to consider what that means for the way that we live our life and what God wants to do as a result of that. And so we're going to be moving from not just what we are saved from. This week, we're going to talk about how to live into the two, into the life that uh, you were designed and prepared to partner with the Spirit of God in enjoying. And uh, when I was in college, uh, for a couple years, I was an electrician. Uh, So I worked for an electrician in Southern California, was a, an apprentice and was learning that trade. And we had a, a particularly high-end job that we were doing. We had contracted uh, kind of a remodel on some landscape lighting for a multi-million dollar home in Big Horn Country Club in Palm Desert, California. And so we were going to that uh, job, and we were doing all of the uh, preliminary work for that. And then kind of towards the end, one of the final pieces that we were doing was they had a slate walkway that came all the way up from down, uh, down the driveway. And in that, we were insetting low-voltage lighting. And so we were insetting low-voltage lighting. The company that we were using for the lighting was called Tivoli. Uh, it's a high-end type Uh, of uh, lighting company. And so we were putting in what we just affectionately called them just twinkle lights, Uh, but they were these little accent lights that were being inset into the staircase. And so on the last day when we were doing the finished follow up work, we were insetting those lights. And my boss said, hey, I've got to run and pick up the transformer. I'll be back in about an hour. You just go ahead and keep trucking on this and me in my earnestness and my desire to show myself to be an approved apprentice right to do my very best and and to do uh the most with the time that i had i got all of those lights installed we had already piped and run uh the um the electrical wiring up to by the house Uh, we had already exposed Uh, the 110 or the 120 current coming out of the house, and me in my desire to just finish the job before my boss got home, I just connected all the wirings and decided to light that up. Now, for those of you who are not tracking with me and have no idea what I'm talking about, you're like, what's the big deal? But for me, I heard a zzz and a pop, and I knew that there was something wrong. And so I went back out and I'm standing there trying to look at my handiwork and I noticed that there's no lights on. Now it's the middle of the day, it's Palm Desert, California. The sun is high and hot and bright. And I'm thinking, okay, well, they're, they're just little lights. Maybe you can't see them. And so I'm on the ground with my eye cupped around one little twinkle light inset into this stairway while my boss drives up to the job and says, What are you doing? And I said, well, I hooked up the current, and, and that was all it took. He was out of the truck. He was unhappy, and he started tearing those lights out and flinging them in the air. Yes, he was a very reserved individual, uh, but he was just going crazy at this. And I connected all of the dots, and I knew what had happened. My boss had gone to go get the transformer that was supposed to reduce the current from the 120-volt house current to the 9 or the 12-volt low-voltage, low-voltage, low-voltage. I knew this. No, I had hooked it all up and went for the best, and I burnt all of those lights, uh, and we had to to tear it all out and start over. And I, I share that with you because regardless of my intentions, right? My intentions weren't to destroy all of this work. My intentions weren't to go backwards on the job to have to go forward right? I was well-intended, and it was youthful exuberance, uh, but I had aligned everything in a way that it was not intended to work. And I share that with you because many times we come to faith in Christ. We receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We know that we have new life in Christ, but we can struggle to see it impact our day-to-day, to enjoy and experience kind of this new life in the way that we live and it often comes down to not living life that is properly aligned with the way that god has designed it to be lived that there's something that's out of alignment and i want to talk just practically today about how to live aligned so that we're not just saved from death and sin, but the life that we're saved to, that we're walking into it and enjoying it, that that thriving life is something that we enjoy and experience in our day-to-day. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and get those out. If you've got your smartphone or your tablet, I want to encourage you to pull out uh, those. Open up your Bible app. Lord, we ask that you would give us soft hearts today to receive from your Word. Give us open ears and open eyes. That we would uh, not only recognize the truth, but we would see how to apply it to our lives. Lord, give us a courage and a strength and the leading of your spirit to take action on it this week. That we would live into the thriving life that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. If your Bible's out, you can go ahead and open up to John chapter 10. And we're going to start with a single verse here this morning. And it's one, if you've been a part of our church family, it's uh, really kind of an anchor verse for what we expect God to do. Uh, It's an anchor verse for describing the life that we should expect as we partner with the Spirit of God in in following in uh, Jesus' footsteps. Um, And it really describes what we would call thriving life. And as a church family, Sterling Foursquare, we exist to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. Square one people, you're like, yeah, we already know that. We took square one. We're with you. But we have this expectation that we don't just have hope, and in faith receive that, but that we get to move into a vibrant and thriving, fruitful life that is described by Jesus and depicted in the Word of God. And this verse is really one of those anchor verses where Jesus draws a line in the sand and says, this is my intention for you. And the first part of John chapter 10, verse 10 Jesus contrasts the opposite. He says that there is an enemy of your soul, a thief who comes to steal and to kill and destroy. That there was one that would look to diminish all of the things of God, the plans and the purposes and the benefits of his kingdom, that he would look to take that away. But Jesus says this about himself. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I have come that they may have life and have it To the full. And this descriptor here is really a a statement of intention about what Jesus wants to see happen in you as you receive salvation, that you move into experiencing what is described here as life to the full. And some of your other translations are going to take that phrase and they're going to, they're going to express it a little bit differently in the English. Um, some of the other translations, and maybe the one that you have doesn't say life to the full, but says life abundantly or abundant life. And it's this idea that it's not just kind of life and existence, but there's like this thriving multiplication to it, that there's something uh, attractive and verdant about it. You know the difference between something that's alive and something that is vibrant or abundant. Some of the other translations are going to describe it this way, that I have come that they would have life, a rich and satisfying life. That there's like this quality to the life that is being experienced. Uh, another translation would say great and full life, that, there were, that that there's something elevated about the intention that Jesus has for what this life would look like for you to enjoy, that it would be abundant, rich, satisfying, that it would be great, that it would be full, that it would be overflowing, would be another picture that you would see in some cases. And that life that is being described here is not just someday life. And this is what's really important for us because oftentimes when we think of being saved from sin and death, we assume that we are saved to heaven, like eternity, that like someday things are going to be awesome. And then we're stuck in this like here and now where I guess it's just supposed to stink until sometimes I get there. And Jesus, when he's describing the type of life that we are to have, he's talking about now and later, that it begins today. When Jesus began his earthly ministry, he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or now, or immediate, or imminent, or present. It starts today when he read Isaiah 61, and he said, I've come to bind up the brokenhearted. We looked at this last week, to set the captive free, and then he closes it in the book of Luke as he reads this in public, and then he says, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Like, it starts now. Like, go. This is a new way of experiencing life. Uh, the way that John 10, 10, the second part of that verse is paraphrased in the message paraphrase, it says, I have come so that they can have real and eternal life. And this this uh, um, translation makes sure to say, hey, it's real life, it's right now, and it's eternal, and it's ongoing. More and better life than you ever dreamed of. And it's so important to recognize that we should have an expectation of this fulfilled and thriving life that the Lord would look to offer us. And it's a new life that impacts today, the way that you live your life, the way that you love your neighbor, the way that you interact with your spouse and your kids, the way that you go about living your life, navigating the aisles at the grocery store and dealing with traffic, and all that, like that—in all of those aspects of the life that you live that Jesus has come to give you a new way to live and to change the quality of the life that you're living and the result of what happens in you and in the world as a result of what he has done in you and will do through you as a result. And so it's a, it's a life that impacts kind of this idea of, of daily living. And one of the ways that Jesus describes this life most often is he'll use this phrase eternal life, right? Have you guys kind of heard of that? Right? In John chapter 3, 15 and 16, it says that whoever believed in him would have eternal life. It moves to John 3, 6, uh, uh, three sixteen For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Uh, some translations would say everlasting life. The, the better understanding of that Greek statement is life everlasting we turn it. We call it eternal life. And sometimes we think of that, okay, someday I'll get to that. But the phrase is really life everlasting, life without end, life now stretching on into the fullest expression and experience of it. That's Jesus's intention. And so we're saved from death and sin, but we're saved to that type of life. Last week, we talked about this idea that we are saved from bondage in brokenness but we're saved to freedom in galatians chapter 5 verse 1 as paul's writing to the church there he says it is for freedom that christ has set us free it's it's for freedom that you've been set free actually you have been set free to enjoy the fullest expression and experience of what freedom is supposed to be and then paul reminds us of our uh our tendency to sabotage the freedom that we have in Christ when he says, so stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. What he's saying there is stand firm and don't don't go back, right? Some of you old timers in church know the song, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Even when we sing it, we say it twice to make sure that we remember it. You've been set free to enjoy freedom. You're not just set free from bondage so that you're not in bondage, but there's this quality of living life free that we're supposed to enjoy. But our tendency is to go back, isn't it? Right? That's that misalignment that we're talking about. We don't allow the transformation to take place. We just hook up to the old current and we wonder why our life is frazzled and our lights are burnt out. Oftentimes, it's because we've gone back. Last week, we talked about the idea that we are saved from, we just called it separateness. That sense of being disconnected from God, being far off. Sometimes, that's because we've wandered. Sometimes, that's because we've gone astray purposely. There's this sense that God is far off, aloof, disinterested, that somehow he hears other people's prayers but not yours, that there's this disconnection. And outside of Christ, there is a very real disconnection that is caused by sin. But when we receive salvation, uh, Paul says that though you were far off, you have been brought near in Christ, that there's a recovery of relationship and closeness with your heavenly Father. But the picture isn't just that you were separate. It says now that you are reconciled. In Second Corinthians chapter 5, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. There's another way to translate that Greek phrase that would say that, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation not just the idea that new creation has come, but it has happened to you, and you are that as a result of it. All of this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, that when we were separate, lost, far off from, that in Christ, we are now brought near, we are reconciled, we are recovered, we are restored in relationship. We're giving status in the family. Paul would use the language that you have been now made an heir of the kingdom of God, that now you have authority and you have equivalent rights of being a part of that kingdom that you didn't have prior to that, that there's this recovered relationship and this reconciliation. And those things are all true, but oftentimes that's not our experience, is it? Like if I asked a show of hands, how many of you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, many of our hands would be up. And and if I followed it with how many of you still at times feel very far from God, a lot of hands would stay up. Even though we know we're reconciled and we've even uh, uh, experienced that at times, there's still moments where we feel lost and far off, where we feel disconnected. There's places where we would say, hey, I have been set free from this bondage, but man, I seem to find myself back in that place often, especially if, if you're dealing with, with uh, addictions, if you're dealing with things that are kind of mental and emotional hurdles, like you can be set free from depression and then still feel depressed. Like, how does that work? Like, wh- why, do, why does that begin to be my common experience at times? places where I know that I've been set free from sin and death, but I still seem to be pursuing a thriving life that's ever over the horizon but never on my today. Why is it that we can be made new to live new but not actually live in a new way? Why is that often missing? And I would suggest to you that oftentimes... It's not our intentions that are off, but it's the alignment of the way that we're living our life. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27, we're going to look at a story that Jesus tells us. He closes out really what is arguably his most famous teaching uh, recorded in, in one place. In Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7, you have something that's referred to the Sermon on the Mount. And it is a very broad and detailed collection. Of Jesus' teaching at a single time. It's not the only time he taught. It's not the only things that he taught. And and the gospels are full of places where Jesus was speaking and teaching and healing and moving and doing and demonstrating the power of the kingdom of God. But in Matthew chapter five, six and seven, you have a very broad single teaching that is recorded. In Matthew's gospel and as Jesus closes out all of these ideas where he talks about hey here's how you should address conflict here's how you typically do but here's a better way to do it in fact he uses this phrase very often he would say you have heard it said and then he would tell them something that they all believed to be the standard truth of the way that they were supposed to relate to God and to one another and then Jesus would say but I tell you and he would say something just a little bit different and what he's doing is he is realigning the, how they live their lives with the way that God intended life to be lived. He's bringing this kind of corrective uh, realignment. And everything in that, those chapters, it, it, it deals with everything from conflict to spiritual disciplines, to how do I relate to my neighbor, to how do I relate to the Lord. What do I do about anxiety? What do I do about the needs in my life? How do I deal with depressive thoughts? Like, it's all in that Sermon on the Mount, and he unpacks all of that in detail, but as he closes out this teaching session, this is so important because it gets to the practical reason why I oftentimes am not experiencing what God has said is his intention for the life that I am to live. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus concludes his teaching with this. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. And what I have found is oftentimes the difference between the places in my life where I'm living into what God has intended for my life are the places where I have heard and understood what his truth is, and I have responded accordingly. And the places in my life that seem to still be crumbling, that seem to be demonstrating less than what God says is his intention for me in Christ, are very often places in my life where one of two things is true. I either have not heard correctly his truth, I don't know what his words are on that issue of life or that matter, or I do. And I do not respond in a way that applies it to my life. Jesus makes it very, very simple as far as in just kind of the common daily praxis of applying the principles of the kingdom of God. In that verse 24, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words, if you're a highlighter, an underliner, note taker, I would make sure that you draw attention to that and puts them into practice. That those together are indicative of the person who is wise, who has a firm foundation for their life and will move into experiencing that life everlasting. That quality of life that Jesus has intended for us, that is ours in Christ, that is supposed to stretch on into the full, thriving, verdant, fruitful expression of what life was always intended to be in our relationship with the Lord. It oftentimes comes down to this. We either don't know what's right or we don't do what's right. And that's not to say that the onus is on you to figure it out and to get it right on your own. Okay, so if you start with this idea of applying the Word of God to your life and walking it out in your daily activity, if you start there and and don't start with all of what Jesus has already done to place you in a position where you can actually do this, then you'll end up in a place where you're trying frustratingly to save yourself, and that is not going to work. That is a a very uh, abrupt misalignment from the concept of salvation and your need of a Savior. But when you have received Christ and you have been set free from sin and death and set to newness of life, when you have been set free from bondage and brokenness and have been set to freedom and wholeness, when you have been set free from separateness and you have been brought near, now you are able to discern his words and to put them into practice. You can know his voice, you can know his word, and you can align the decisions of the life that you are living and building with him to be founded on those things, and they will move you to thriving life. They will move you to fruitfulness. They will move you to health and wholeness. And you'll begin to experience that in your person, but you'll begin to see that demonstrated in the outward workings of your life. Your relationships will begin to change. The, The values of your life, the direction that you're going, the things that you prioritize, those things all begin to come into a correct alignment. And when you are aligned correctly with the plans and the purposes of God for your life, when you're aligned correctly in right relationship with your Heavenly Father who loves you, fruit and life is the result of that. But when I don't know, when I don't know what Jesus' word is on the matter, or when I choose not to apply that to the decisions that I'm making, I'm misaligned. And that's when in his uh, his story, the foundation of your life crumbles, and in my story, your lights burn out. (laughs) It's when things aren't aligned connected, the way that they were intended to work. And so for you and I, when it comes to this idea of living into the fullness of what it means to not just be saved from, but saved to an abundant life, a thriving life, this is a great place for us to allow the Lord to search our hearts this morning. Lord, is there something about this area of my life that I'm struggling in that I actually, I don't know what your truth is on that matter? Or is there something about this area that I'm struggling in that I do know your truth on this matter, but I'm not taking steps of faith to align the direction of my life with that? And as we consider those things, we allow the Holy Spirit to bring us to a place where we recognize the truth. (laughs) Scripture says, speaking of Jesus, right? When he speaks of the truth, that the truth will set you free, that there's freedom in that. There's freedom to align yourself rightly with the design that God has for your life so that you walk into fruitfulness as a result of that. And you can learn to distinguish the words of God. A great place to start is just with scripture, but you can learn to hear and understand his voice in prayer and in worship. And and that might be a new thought to you, but Jesus speaks of himself as the good shepherd, and he says, my sheep know me. They hear my voice. They won't listen to the voice of another. Several times in scripture, it unpacks the idea that we can begin to discern when the Lord is speaking and moving in our lives. Oftentimes, that's going to be in a time of prayer and worship oftentimes it's going to be something that happens as we interact with the word of god that's why if you've grown up in a church and your pastor has said hey you need to know the bible uh, it's not for a bible quiz you've had a pastor say hey you know what you need to you need to develop a prayer life it's not because somehow there's a hierarchy of people who are getting it right and getting it wrong hey we need to gather we need to worship together we need to encourage one another that's not for metrics that's not for church numbers It's because in those disciplines and in those activities, we begin to discern how the Lord speaks and moves in our lives in a way that when we leave on Monday, it matters. Most of the misalignment that you experience in your life, most of the places in my life where there is a a less than type of life that Jesus describes here, most of that's Monday to Saturday, isn't it? We would call that like the real life. It, it's like, it's, it's, it's what happens when we go back out. But the, the closeness that you experience with the Lord, the attentiveness to his voice, the, that sense of just, oh man, I feel alive when I'm in the presence of God. Like that doesn't have to be left at the door. It's actually not intended to. You're intended to live that out daily. And if you will hear his words, and apply them to your life. You will see this type of life in any and every area that you begin to do that in. Church family, if you would stand this morning. Worship team, if you would come forward. We're going to take just a moment to respond as we close. Part of our action steps this week, and we'll get to those in just a little bit, but I'm going to encourage you to go back to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 to look at the Sermon on the Mount because when Jesus gets done and says, if you've heard these words and put them into practice, then your life is going to be firm. He's referring to those words that he just spoke. So even if you're in a place where it's like, this is kind of new to me, the idea of, of listening to the Lord or, or following him, acting on uh, the, the leading of the spirit of God, if the, even if that's something that's new, you can start there in those chapters and you can just read what Jesus said as if you were sitting there that day and you didn't know him from the man in the moon. As many of those who were gathered there did, that it was a, it was a new thing that was happening. And he just said, hey, if you, if you listen to this and if you apply your life, if you align yourself with this, this is the way that it was intended to be designed and you will experience life as a result of that, you could begin in that place. But I draw your attention to that Sermon on the Mount because everybody who was present there had one thing in common and it was that they all showed up and came to Jesus. They were all at different places of devotion and followership. You certainly had the 12 that were kind of sold out at that point, and you had kind of concentric circles of lessening followership from there. But everybody that day came to Jesus first. And can I tell you, there is no thriving life. There is no abundant life. There is no life everlasting apart from Him. You have to start there, and that's where we start this morning, if you would bow your heads and close your eyes. Just as a way of closing out distractions, if there's an area of your life where you know that you are not experiencing the life that we just looked at today. That relationship, that area of focus, that worry or that anxiety, a place in your life that doesn't look verdant and fruitful, but it's barren. Even as we say today, it sounds like a graveyard. It feels like ash and leftover. Like the Lord brings gardens out of graveyards. He brings life from death. He does it all the time. Would you respond to his invitation to live life everlasting? Not just hope for everlasting life, not just hope for eternal life someday, but to begin to live life now on into the fullness of that promise. Would you come to Jesus today? And as you do that, if you have an issue of life, maybe it's the whole of your person or maybe it's an area that you would present to him and say, Jesus, I need to be aligned in this area and I need to enjoy your life in this area. If you would just put your hands out in front of you again with your eyes closed, just present that to him as a place of invitation to work. Lord, you see uh, our our lives symbolically lifted to you in this way. And Lord, we come to you, Jesus, as the only author of life. Lord, I pray that each open hand would receive from you today, that they would receive in faith this abundant life that you offer. Lord, maybe not even uh, fully knowing what it's supposed to look like to have an abundant life in their marriage, to have an abundant life in their careers, to have an abundant life in their friendships, to have an abundant life in their um values and motivations. Lord, we we may not even understand the fullness of what that is, but we say we want that. And Lord, help us to discover your truth on those matters and to apply your word, that we would be hearers and doers of the word of God, that our daily life would be impacted, as we know more of what you've spoken on the matter and apply it in greater consistency to our area of life. And Lord, maybe for us this week, we just begin with something simple as spending a few moments in your word to hear your words on the matter and then encourage us by your spirit to take steps of faith this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A few action steps. For you this week. I gave you a preview of those, but I want to encourage you to read Matthew chapters five, six, and seven, and you might be, whoa, pastor, pump the brakes. That's like three whole chapters. Uh, pick one of them and then just pick a little piece. Like you don't have to eat the whole thing at once, uh, but spend a little bit of time there and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to your life and to lead you in response to that in whatever area you interact with. Choose one area of your life to focus on, and then look to apply Jesus's words to that area. Just take some baby steps, begin to partner with the Lord this week, and move forward into the everlasting life that He offers you.